to the Movie Journey Podcast, where not only do we break down one film a fortnight from the IMDb Top 250 list, but we also do a wide variety of other things, including drawing mental blanks. No, quizzes. No, no, just you. You draw mental blanks. Uh, we do don't quizzes. Lo- don't let me in. We play games. We also do trivia. You could argue they're all the same thing. What else do we do? Come on, oh, mate. Oh, Pod V Pods. We do Pod Jeez. V Pods. Well, I wasn't joking. I actually was forgetting what uh what we what we do here. We do Pod V Pods with fantastic guests uh, every other week. Uh, we talk about every other film we watch. We do Twitter polls and competitions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So much I can't think of anymore. As usual, I'm joined by my lovely host Daniel Henderson. Hendo, my man, how you going? Good, buddy. I'm doing very well. It was a it was a very interesting week because we finally managed to catch up for the first time in several months. We did face catch to up. face. It was it was a beautiful moment. It was. We were part of the live stream for the Cure for the Epic Film Guys. We had a an awesome Pod V Pod over there with Nick and Loy Sauce. It was good fun, wasn't it, Dean? It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. What what those guys have been able to achieve is uh, yeah, it's beyond impressive. They had a target of ten thousand dollars, and they massively, massively surpassed that, getting over fifteen thousand dollars. Would you believe? Absolutely insane. It's it's so amazing what they did over there, and uh, yeah, big big congrats to you guys. It was a hell of a hell of a good time when we were on, and I did I did catch up on the stream multiple times throughout their entire stream, and there was a lot of interesting uh a lot of interesting guests, a lot of interesting discussions along the way. It's all up on their Twitch channel, all the all the different days, all the different guests in video format there. So go on and head on over, check it out. It was it was an absolute riot from beginning to end. All right, Hendo, what else are we doing today? Well, today we've got Pod V Pod thirty seven, and we've got another great guest today. We've got Mitch from Geek Elite Media. Oh, nice. I'm excited. Yes, and after that, we've got our question of the week, which is, what is your favorite film phone call? Which will be our top five as usual. We're going to take a look at the results of the round two of our Tournament of Champions. We're going to see who's leading the charge there in our Facebook listener community and our patrons, as we've done a big tipping competition over there. And then after all that, we're going to talk about what else I've been watching for the last fortnight. Uh, spoiler alert, it is much, much smaller than what it was last time. Which is very disappointing from you, Hendo. You need to lift your game. No, no, you, you've done the hard work for us uh, this this time around. First time you've done it in, what, over a year? Is, is that meant to hurt my feelings? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, but before we get to Pod v Pod, I have done a couple more polls over on Twitter as to any of these top 250 films, if they deserve to be in the list. Let's kick it off with Yojimbo, a film that we did a breakdown on a very long time ago now. Is that one of the top 250 films of all time? Highly unlikely. 72% say no, it does not. What about Logan here? 58% say no, does not deserve to be one of the top 250 films of all time. That probably surprised me from Twitter. I thought that might sneak in a yes. And then I asked about last week's breakdown, Dial in for Murder. No chance. Does that deserve to be one of the 250 best films of all time? 52% say no. Really? Yeah, very close that one. Wow, I actually thought it got through. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, enough talk about polls and Twitter for now. Let's get into Pod v Pod 37. Let's get ready to All right, 
right, Dean, it's time for Pod V Pod 37, where we have some of your favorite podcasters on for a battle of different movie games. And this week, we've got Mitch from Geek Elite Media. Geek Elite Media. How are you, mate? <laughs> that's right. It's a little bit of a difficult name. It doesn't <laughs> uh, roll off the tongue, but that's, <laughs> yep. I'm Mitch from Geek Elite Media. Uh, we're a podcast uh, in based out of Arizona, and uh, we try to do a little bit of everything. Fantastic. Uh, I just recently listened to your Iron Man 2 uh, breakdown. That was uh, that was great. Really, really entertaining. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's a new <laughs> show that we just started, the um, Journey into Mystery. It's uh, myself and Ian. Um, we decided we just wanted to see, can we predict what the next coming phases of the MCU is are based off of what uh, we've already seen? And did you feel like you would get all your answers in Iron Man 2? No. <laughs> I think uh, this is the direction Marvel want to go. <laughs> we need more bad Russian accents with electric whips. I know it. I like bird. <laughs> All right, Mitch, if you're ready to get into it, we'll kick it off with our usual first round, our standard movie quiz. Pop quiz, asshole. Five questions, one point per correct guess. Uh, we always ask the first question here, so I'll, I'll start it off here for you. First category we've got for you is horror. Okay. Which actress played Carrie in 1976's Carrie? Uh, Sissy Spacek. Ooh, very good. Okay, early, good. Early, <laughs> early point. <laughs> well done. Great. Uh, I hate it when they get the first one right. It always gives me, gives me nerves. I'm like, have I made these too easy? Ugh. <laughs> All right, Dean, why don't, why don't you answer the first one? Okay, so now, now it's my turn, right? So yep. Yep. Give it to me. Uh, name five non-documentary movies Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson both appear in. I'm glad you said non-documentary because I was just about <laughs> to spout off all those documentaries that I can think of with Bruce Willis and Sam Jackson in. Uh, okay, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yep. Pulp Fiction. Yep. Hmm. Okay. This is what, yeah. Damn I'm it, not, Dean. I, I, oh, uh, can you get five then, no? I can go name two more at least. Uh, okay. Uh, Bruce Willis, Sam Jackson. Uh, just trying to think of any like big, big movies. There's none. Uh, <laughs> Die Hard. There's no more Die Hards with Sam Jackson. Do you, do you think like about the audience members that are just like screaming at their yeah their I can, iPod I can right them now? All now? Not once, not once have <laughs> not I uh, once. thought about those those poor people who have to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, nah. Nah. Uh, are you serious? Come uh, on. <laughs> uh, all all I've got in my head are all documentaries. Um. Nah, I, I, I give up. I have no idea. Oh, what are the obvious geez. ones, Hendo? What am I missing? Unbreakable and Glass. That's oh, correct. Okay. Yep. And okay. The, yeah. the last one. I mean, it's 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 it, they're both in the movie. It's a little bit of a cheat, but uh, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon One, which is a spoof of Lethal Weapon, and Bruce Willis shows up as the guy who gets dirty. his house blown up. <laughs> That is a dirty, dirty question. <laughs> How did you not get unbreakable and glass? I don't, I don't even care. I don't. I would not have cared if I got zero right then because I was never ever getting oh, lampoon excuses. parody thing that features cameos <laughs> with them. <laughs> sorry. Nah, you're no, right. Don't you're be right. sorry. It's, it, he, he's just actually shit. no. Right. You should be sorry. Uh, all right. Your next question is in the category of directors. What was Ooh. the first collaboration between Marty Scorsese and Robert De Niro? First collaboration, uh, Raging Bull? No! Oh. It was actually Mean Streets. 
Mean Streets. Mm. Dang it. Unlucky there. See, I can hear all the people yelling at me now. <laughs> I should have actually, after hearing your first question, I probably should have changed that question to name the first five in order. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, all right, let's see if I can get a point on the board here. Okay. Uh, uh, what was the opera that the Waynes were attending in Batman Begins? <sighs> did we even mention this on the breakdown we did? The specific opera? I don't think it's... I don't think it's something <laughs> Dean would even know. No. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it has a lot to do with bats, I'm pretty sure. There's it, bats in it. Yep, it scares the hell out of a little Bruce. Uh, Nah, le, le batte de fleur. <laughs> ding, ding, I'm ding, sorry. ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Mephistopheles. Did we mention that? That uh, name rings a bell now. Uh, I'm not sure that we did mention Mephistopheles. Uh, actually, we probably did. Yeah. We got pretty deep into the old Batman Begins. Yeah, that was the one you did the most research on. So, so you probably did say something about it. That's what I, All I, right. I, I definitely like that one a lot. Uh, not a lot more than the other three, but or the other two, but I, I like Batman Begins a lot. Me too. Uh, it's definitely the... Begins uh, is your favorite, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, it's my uh, favorite, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we're still on the bagel at the moment. Mitch, <laughs> you got a chance to be two points up here into the third question. And your category for the third question here is 90s. In 1995's Casper... Which of the four main Ghostbusters actors has a cameo as his character from the Ghostbusters franchise? Oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I remember I like watching... generous here. We're giving him a one in four shot here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I remember watching Casper as a kid. Um, I would have to say the one that makes the most sense to me would be Dan Aykroyd as Race Dance. And that is true. Well okay. done, mate. <laughs> I still remember that when he comes running out of the house. He's like, who are you going to call? Somebody else. else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know those classic Dan Aykroyd lines. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, Dean, we're in a we're in a bit of a struggle point here. We need we need a point to have, have a shot in hope that we're going to make it through this round. It's a good thing I'm the one answering this question. Then <laughs> your track record today it doesn't bode otherwise. Well, uh, I mean, how how well are you on your your Tom Hanks trivia? So, how many years was Tom Hanks' character Chuck Nolan stranded on the island in Castaway? I mean, this will be a guess somewhere between. Well, you said years, so it's at least two. There you go. Uh, I'm trying to think how much older does he look. He probably only looks one year older by the time he gets back, though. So it's somewhere between two and one. Let's go <laughs> seven. So close. Four years. That's not close at all. That was. Just <laughs> I mean, it's to make you feel good. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just trying to make you feel good. <laughs> oh, okay. We we are fucked, Endo. Let's be honest here. Oh, we are so shit. Uh, okay, next question for you. The category is Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh, okay. <laughs> what Spider-Man franchise actor plays drug dealer Rashad Jackson in PTA's Boogie Nights? Really? Let me just add here, Mitch, that if you get this right, you just win the round straight away. <laughs> so don't get no it pressure. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do, do I get to repeat the question there? Yeah, of course. Okay. Which Spider-Man franchise actor plays drug dealer Rashad Jackson in PTA's Boogie Nights? Yeah, that didn't help at all. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> um, who's in... Let's go with... 
James Franco. No, it was no. actually Doc Hawk himself, Alfred Molina. Oh, okay. Makes sense. It does. <laughs> quite, a, quite a fun little role in Boogie Nights playing the, the drug dealer there. Yeah. A yeah. very nervous, intense scene from yeah, memory. That is. You know, it's been a while since I watched Boogie Nights. I have to go back to that one. I always think about him singing The Touch. Like, that's like my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I need to get this. Otherwise, we lose. So, <laughs> we've lost. <laughs> Yep. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Write it off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's relatively easy, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, now you're going to make me feel bad when I get it wrong. My bad. Right, I can do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was the message Ralphie decoded in his in A Christmas Story 1983 using the Orphan oh. Annie secret decoder pin? <laughs> Man, it would help if I've seen the film. A Christmas, oh. story. <laughs> a Christmas story is not big in Australia at all. Is it not? Oh. Ugh. Repeat it again, so... Okay. Uh, just in case. What was the message Ralphie decoded in A Christmas Story, 1983, using his Orphan Annie secret decoder pin? You can't even have a stab at that. Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Do you know it, Dean? <laughs> no! Are you serious? Oh, that's why he's not making fun of me right now. Oh, that, oh, fair. That's a harder question than the one you gave me. My bad. I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know the the cultural difference there. Uh, it's be sure to drink your Ovaltine. I mean, I was that was so close to thinking that, but I thought it was just too. It was too obscure. Yeah, it's not even obscure. remotely festive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, you know, he has the big blow up. It's like a, a, a freaking commercial. Like you, you can't believe it. <laughs> oh man! Wow, this has been awful so far. I must say, <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> Uh, but we've still got a question left for you here, Mitch. Okay. And Dean, you want to go? You want to answer? Ask this one, sorry. Sure. Or do you want me to? Oh, no, 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 I'll do it. do it. I'll do it. Just mix yeah. things up, you know. Thirty. Yeah, sure. What are we? Thirty-seven PVPs in. That's that's a good way to go. <laughs> All right, Mitch. The category is Oscars. For what film did Charlize Theron receive her second nomination? Her second nomination comes right after first. <laughs> Only in Australia. Like we, we like number two better here. <laughs> uh, I mean, only thing that's coming to my mind is Monster, and I'm sure that's the first one, so I'm still going to go with Monster. Yeah, it's not that. It is okay. North Country. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah, never saw that one. <laughs> neither, <laughs> neither did I. Okay, Dean, with this collaboration here, so let's let's hopefully put our two minds together to get at least one point on the board here. And if we don't, then we've, we've failed equally together. I mean, how well do you know your uh, 1980s comedies? Uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Name the three theatrical released films directed by Savage Steve Holland. Oh my god. It's, I, I don't even know who this person is. It's, is it? There's only three like theater movies. There's so only three. Very kind of you. I mean, it, he's got a very You'd... uncommon name, and they're big 80s comedies movies. You would think at this point, Mitch, you've already won. You'd show a bit of bloody sympathy towards us and say, name one. Just name sure. one. I name don't ask one. for much. Just You're give fine. me one Name film. one. <laughs> no, now you're just embarrassing us. <laughs> Dean, I, don't, I do not know who this person is, but when you think of 80s Goonies. comedies... No, I don't, no, no, no. I'm thinking, I'm thinking more of like Porky's and National Lampoon's Animal, Animal House. House. You reckon Animal House? Well, we both said it. 
Well, you know what? Do you think Porky's is better? I mean, Porky's is always nice, but I mean, who am I to? I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> meatballs? What about meatballs? I haven't seen that either. At least Bill Murray's in that. It's true. I'm, uh, I'm sure the balls you, are you, meaty. Not as meaty as I thought they would be when I watched them. Oh, what do we take? Look, we've lost. We've, we've been destroyed in this one. Why don't we just take Animal House? Nah, let's go Porky's. Oh, fuck it. Porky's. <laughs> Porky's. Uh, I am sorry. It's not one of those. Imagine if it was Porky's, Animal House, and Meatballs. <laughs> None of those. <laughs> it was uh, Better Off Dead with John Cusack, One Crazy Summer with John Cusack, and How I Got Into College with um, Goose from Top Gun. I cannot Anthony wait Edwards. to have you back yes, on. Okay, Anthony. I'm just, I'll tell you right now. All right, you're going to get the worst fucking questions I can think of. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. That's all right, Mitch. We we can we can take the loss because uh, we we have a good track record in the the next up, upcoming games. But uh, let's kick it off with the second game here, which is it was horrible. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. And basically, what we've got here is both teams have five movies each that the other team has to guess what movie it is based off a one star review on IMDb. Now, Mitch, we asked you the first question in the first round. You can ask us the first movie here, and I'll take the first one. Okay. So, uh, am I allowed to? Take out the name of the movie if it's in the review. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, it would uh, be a pretty boring game if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, here you go. I thought this was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen, with the very stupid, witty remarks that they do to all of these action that is never needed and to stuff that would never happen, and what what you would endure. For example, when Kurt went home and the Chinese assassin tried to kill him, I think it was very doubtful that he would go through that and then finish it off with a witty remark. And also, where Sylvester shoots the tank filled with drugs and licked it, that's stupid. That could have been anything. For example, anthrax. And then he finishes off with another stupid witty remark. Anyone want to get high? These are great examples of why I hated this movie and I hope others will agree with me on this. All right, so when you first started, I went for the Expendables, but then you said Kurt, and I thought I went back. I went to Big Trouble in Little China, and then you said Sylvester, and I went back to the Expendables. <laughs> Talking about an action movie with stupid, witty remarks. Ah, oh, drug truck. I can't remember Big Trouble in Little China enough. Was there a drug truck in that film? I feel like it'd be more a drug truck in the Expendables. But who's Kurt? Kurt Russell wasn't in that. Is it Kurt the character? Why would you say Kurt and then Sylvester? It's because it's a one-star review. That's why. <laughs> there you go. That's that's true. <laughs> Look, uh, I'll go with my first my first choice. I'm going to say The Expendables. That is incorrect. I am sorry. Ah. <laughs> it is from uh, my favorite buddy cop film, Tango and Cash from 1989. Ah, oh, Kurt and Sylvester. I was thinking <laughs> of the right actors. You did. Shit. <laughs> Oh, so they meet in the middle. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. All right, not to worry. Uh, I'm holding par for nil for the entire game here. But let's go with your first one here, Mitch. Firstly, I've read the book and enjoyed it. I also like movies based from this era. However, this modern take was superficial, kitsch, and unbearably boring. The background music, which never ceased, was flatulent and grating. Not to mention the one-dimensional characters who were cast incredibly poorly. I mean, come on, the girls were dreadful, and at least of two of them looked far too old for their roles. If you're sitting on the fence because of its misleadingly high rating, then I advise you not to waste your time. Uh, I, from that description, I have to go with Little Women. 
That is correct. Oh, shoot. Uh-oh. Wow, that was, that was scathing. Oh, yeah. Got some harsh ones here. Ah, okay, so... Uh, uh, yeah, this is getting worse by the minute, I must say. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> Come on, Dave, let's get some redemption. Okay, here we go. Here, here you go. Here you go. Okay. Okay, so disastrous isn't an imaginative barb for this movie, but then there's not a shred of wit to the movie. So, I saw this movie for free. A friend who said he pissed his pants at the trailer had free passes. I think he. I think he's incontinent. A spoof of disaster, disaster movies might have been fun this is not it a couple disaster movies get referenced not really spoofed instead of the spoofing it is the recent movies of all genres and of aspects of current pop culture then again how current is women's wrestling or the head-on commercials if there's anything about about it that's good there's the 70 minute or so running time where they did get 90 minutes and Nicole Parker seems like she might be good if she had good material. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, you said the word disaster so much. I'm just going to assume it's not disaster movie because that would be that would be very obvious. Uh, unless this was the movie you said, can I edit out the name of the film? And then you just forgot to do it and started reading and was like, oh, shit, I've gone too far. <laughs> Um, so I'm trying to think of a film like that. Uh, I want I want to say I want to say a film called. See, I don't even know if this is even a film, but I'm I'm pretty sure it, you wouldn't say that and it be disaster movie. So I'm gonna say, oh, <laughs> is it? Oh fuck! Is it called Epic Movie? Just something like that? Uh, epic film? Nah, not epic film. Uh, let's go Epic Movie. <laughs> Man, I really think it's disaster movie. I mean, you're a team, right? So, I oh no, it's, it's his guess. It's his guess. <laughs> Is it really disaster you met, you movie? Mitch, you said head on. I remember the head on from disaster movie. Uh, yes, it was disaster movie. And I guess that is a little oh bit of a trickery on my part. Oh my uh, god! I just, I mean, I there, I didn't want to say the title of other movies, but this one does have <laughs> oh, reference wow. back to disaster movie. So I didn't know if I, yeah, it was wow. disaster movie. But Epic Movie, I mean, aren't those all just kind of the same movie anyways? So Epic Movie is a movie, is it? Is Epic yeah. Movie a film? Yeah. Does that yeah. have Carmen Electra in it? Is that that one? Don't they all have they Carmen all have, Electra? Yeah, I think they all have Carmen Electra in it. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, man. That, 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 was our, that, was our, uh, that was our comeback right there, Dean, and you blew it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you missed Tango and Cash. Come on. Uh, <laughs> you weren't getting Tango and Cash. Oh, At least I sure. answered Disaster Movie head, immediately after like, you said it. Tango and Cash, for sure. What are you doing? Yeah, but you didn't have the balls to say it. <laughs> All right, all right. Uh, your next one, Mitch. Save your money. I can't believe this got above a four. I could hardly stand it. 15 minutes into the show, people were heading for the exit. The movie had no excitement, no story, and showed nothing like the trailer preview- previewed. I guess all the action was in the trailer on this site. Because that was it. Very slow start. The 30 seconds of action came in the very last part of the movie. And what is up with that stupid mask? Looks a little like Scary Movie Mask. All I can say is, I'm sorry anyone had to sit through such torture like I did. I hope for mankind they don't even think about another sequel. Wow. Um, I love how after each review we were just like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It looks like Scary Movie Mask. I mean, it's not someone that had never seen Scream before, right? Like, that can't be it. (laughs) <laughs> uh, scary movie, man. 
Oh, what was the what's that one? Oh, uh, Happy Death Day? No. Oh, it was actually Ooh. V for Vendetta. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a bad review. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny when you when you find the movie out, you're like, you go back over that review they say, and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Scary movie, man. All right. Fair, fair. Okay. All we, right. We, Dean, we need a point. We need just a, um, even if we lose this, I just need a single point just, <laughs> just so I can feel better for myself. Here you go. I side with the negative crowd on this one. With the risk of sounding pompous, I have to say this. To believe that this is a brilliant film suggests a low level of education and an underdeveloped underdeveloped personal philosophy. There, I've said it. To question the realness of reality is a 400-year-old Cartesian idea. Actually, it was explored more interestingly in the old Star Trek episode, Spectre of the Gun, in 1969. The rest of the film is an obvious ripoff of The Terminator and all of John Woo which are far more interesting movies. The film ponders too long on the central premise, and there isn't enough action to make it a good action movie either. Still, overall production design is great, but the acting is wooden, and Fishburne makes for an unconvincing guru. All the, the Matrix. Goods, <laughs> the Matrix, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that when you started talking about um, realities and the, the life prophecies and that. There you cool, go. I'm happy, I'm happy. You got, you got the one. point. <laughs> you're up yeah. on the board. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, just the, the, the philosophy lesson there that someone was trying to throw people through. Like, I was just like, okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay, Mitch, here we go with your third movie here. Stupid movie with a bunch of no-talent morons. How anyone thinks Carrie is funny is beyond me. He isn't funny, just plain stupid. And for Stiller, he is even worse. The only reason he is around is because of his irritating parents. Carrie and, and Stiller. Oh my God! It's it's like right there. And so I'm just, I'm just not getting. I'm, I'm assuming. Stupid movie. Stupid actors. Stiller. What? Mm. Would you like me to read it again? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid movie with a bunch of no-talent morons. How anyone thinks Carrie is funny is beyond me. He isn't funny, just plain stupid. And for Stiller, he is even worse. The only reason he is around is because of his irritating parents. Oh, uh, the cable guy? Damn it. Hold on. <laughs> I was trying to say Carrie, because that's exactly what he's written here. He hasn't written Carrie, he's written Carrie. And I'm like, try, think, of, think of Carrie, not Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sitting there trying to think of the movie that they both starred in, but Ben Stiller directed that movie, right? So, very yeah. clever. Oh, oh, very good. Man. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were coming back there with that point, but no, this is, uh, Gone. This is, this is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> All right, here you go. Like I said before, I don't see the point in making live-action versions of cartoons. All those lame adaptations are ugly and unappealing, and always fail to capture the essence of the animated works in which they are inspired. At best, those movies could only capture the most shallow and pragmatic aspects of the source material. This movie is the ultimate proof of that being one of the most shallow, dull, and uninspired films ever made. Lacking the sarcastic sense of humor which made this character popular in the first place, my advice is to skip this and watch the animated version. This is just stupid and boring. Zero out of ten, and I would rate it with a negative score if I could. Damn. Hmm. Wow. All right. This is this is me, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, the way you were talking, so obviously live action. I was thinking maybe like um, 
I mean, firstly, I, I, I was thinking maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but then I was sort of going more like Speed Racer or Last Airbender. But the way you talk about it sounds like the film is a character's name. Maybe it's like Eon Flux. Uh, oh, what was that? Um, what was a Scarlett Johansson movie that came out recently? That was an adaptation of the beloved uh, animation. Um, Want me to reread any of it? Uh, no, nah, I don't. I don't think it'll help. Okay. Oh, uh, it wasn't Akira. Nah. Uh, Sarc- I mean, sarcasm. The problem is I've never seen any of them. So I'm trying to think, like, what it, what is a sarcastic... Maybe, I'm just going to write a cross next to her name here. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe the last airbender character, that main guy... I mean, the last airbender is a person, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to go last airbender. Uh, Sorry, no. <laughs> was it Aladdin? It was not Aladdin. Uh, it was Garfield with uh, Bill Murray as the voice of Garfield. Come on, who remembers Garfield? that film? <laughs> 2004. Oh. <laughs> wow. I am sorry. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Where, where, uh, are, we, where are we at? Where are we at, Hendo? Uh, Mitch has his fourth movie here. Dean, you're going to ask this one. Okay. And what are the scores? Uh, it's two to one. So if Mitch gets this right, he just wins again straight away. <laughs> okay. All right, Mitch. Where to start? This movie might have been groundbreaking animation-wise if it had come out 15 years earlier. Beyond that, even the high-profile celebs doing the voices can't save it. My daughter, who is eight, was confused and bored the entire way through, as was I. Who is this aimed at? It's boring for kids and boring for adults. The script is monotone, sorry, montone, and boring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Royal Dahl's story has been crucified to make way for what can only be described as American hipster garbage. I can't believe this has such high reviews. I really can't. I can only assume they are paid. Mic drop. Oh, Royal Dahl. Um, jeez. Uh, was was BFG his? Big Friendly Giant? I'm going to go with that one. No, it was actually the fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That keeps us that keeps us in here for a tie <laughs> potentially. But we have to get this. I'm All kind right? of I'm kind of closer to agreeing with that review than any other review we've heard today. Yeah, I knew that. I knew, I knew <laughs> you were gonna say that. Uh, spoiler alert, I actually wrote this review. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect, I love it. <laughs> Uh, you, you know what? I, I think you're definitely going to get this one. So, <laughs> hear that, Hendo? That's called pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this movie has everything you expected, but is it necessarily as good as it made it's made out to be? The answer is a resounding no. These movies these days seem to be a dime a dozen. Add a big name, add some crazy ridiculous storyline, and add a few million in special effects, and that's that equals Hollywood success these days. Great movie if you don't want to think about anything or if, you, if you're upset and need to see a bunch of explosions. Arnold is everything he is cut out to be, big and strong and a terrible actor. The movie is uh, worth a watch, but this cult phenomenon that has risen from the movie is kind of ridiculous to me. I'd like to see movies that, are more, that have more thought in them than this movie start to get rewarded. All right, bit of info there. I mean, that could be so many. <laughs> That's fair. It says it's Arnie. So are we whittling it down to an Arnie film? And, and it has a cult phenomenon following, according to yeah. this. 
And I said, movies these days. I mean, when, how long ago was this done, though? He didn't do anything in the like in the 2000s. Like, what what movie cult following? Was it was it Last Action Hero? Was it? It's not. It's not. I don't think it's the Terminator films. And it's not a cult following, so it wouldn't have been Dark Fate. And it's like throw a couple of hundred million at it as well. <laughs> Jeez, you got any ideas here, Dean? Is this a collab? Yeah. Oh. Um, were you listening? Yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was on, on you. Uh, do I have any ideas? I mean, I think everything you're saying is is pretty true. What movie has a couple hundred of million thrown at it that's recent and Arnie? There's not a lot, is there? What about, like, Expendables? Would that have a cult following? Expendables 2, was he in that? Probably are they, not. Are they going to say Arnie with that? He's in it for, like, a minute. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I mean, this review could have been written a while ago. Yeah. But they're, talk- but they're talking about movies these days, Have they throw in a big name actor, a couple of hundred mil for special effects. This really sounds like a movie that's come out within the last 10 years. I don't think that's possible. What, what else is he... What it, unless it, to think unless of, it is Dark Fate. Does that have cult following? Maybe because they keep making them. Like, how do they, how do they keep making these movies? Like, big, like, he's the only real big name in it. I kind of feel budget, like the only effects. cult... Uh, Arnie film would be Last Action Hero. Yeah, but that that's... I don't think that's what they're talking about based off what they're saying here. Did that have a couple hundred million dollar budget? Uh, I don't think so. Mm. But, I mean, are we even... Are we, we're taking this, guy, this guy's facts as truth. Maybe he has no idea. Well, we have to, don't we, in a way? We can't say, oh, all of his, said, all of his, all of his stuff he said here is nonsense. Let's just make up our own movie. <laughs> We've got to go by the hints and the clues that have been given to us. Uh, dark Fate, then. Well, hang on. Just what can you think of any other Maggie. big Arnie films? No, not Maggie. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the not sabotage. It's not the Last Stand. Sure, hasn't he done something else? Surely, Pumping Iron. Too too early in his in his uh, filmography. A <laughs> uh, little uh, side note: um, uh, the Last Stand. It supposedly takes place just a few miles from where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> you should be well educated then. <laughs> well, I think I, I think Dark Fate makes the most sense based off the the, the clues that were given to us. And there was a, a a group of people vocally saying Dark Fate was very good. Were there? I don't know. It was <laughs> at least better than the last Terminators. Oh, that's not a high bar to cross. I, I think we say Dark Fate. I mean, what what else yeah. is even close to fitting that description? Uh, one more go at it. Big big actor. This is gonna be funny as if it's not even the act like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, some, it's like Arnold Palmer. <laughs> uh, okay, let's all right. Let's do Dark Fate. Terminator Dark Fate is our answer for us to be shut out of this game. I am sorry. It is actually Terminator Two: Judgment Day. It, I mean, what? Yeah. They do not know what the word cult following means. Then. <laughs> I mean, wow. people talk about that movie like it's the end all say all to science fiction sometimes. Because it is. it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Oh, man. That, that was rough. That was rough as. <laughs> all right. But we, we've got. Uh... <laughs> Damn it. We've been shut out. Damn <laughs> <We're> done. <laughs> oh, second time ever. Well done, Mitch. You've, you've done it. Uh, uh, I, I mean. Hooray! (laughs) 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 Alright, but you do have your last movie here, so let's see if you can get three out of the five. 
Worst dead movie it is. Unsatisfactory, unethical things it does to your feelings. Not a good realisation of science fiction. Dumb characters. I have seen many good movies. My expectation was that this movie would be good. But it is not. Complete waste of time. Nothing I promise you get from it. Okay. (laughs) Faceless, ambivalent matters. Run through the movie. I hate and would rate it as the worst one. The robot talked too much unnecessary junk talks. The monk was not a necessary character. (laughs) Disappointed with the relations of princess. Movie made her unattractive. Is that that where it ends? Yeah. (laughs) What? Uh, The first part of that was dead series? Worst dead movie it is. I think it's a uh, typo. (laughs) One of many in this review. (laughs) Um, I mean... Monk, robot, and princess makes me think Star Wars, but would that be... uh, I mean, could it just be a very poorly written review of Star Wars A New Hope? I'm going to say yes. The answer is Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. (laughs) (laughs) I think the monk is Yoda. (laughs) Oh, okay. I mean, that makes sense. Obi-Wan kind of looks like a monk. (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's oh, that's dear. funny. That's that's too much. But well, I mate, you take down round two, which actually means you've won Pod V Pod thirty seven already. So congrats to you. Ooh. Very well done. Oh my goodness, thank you. <laughs> but of course, let's see how we go with round three, which is of course our movie draft. Now, Mitch, we got you to choose the theme of the draft. What did you go for? I went for mistaken identity movies. Excellent. That's a that's a nice topic where I had a look through what would be classified as a mistaken identity movie. There's some interesting ones out there. We also, didn't we go under the stipulation that uh, no undercover cop movies, right. you know, things like that. Right. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And we always let the guests decide if they would like to go first or if you would like us to go first. What are you going to go for? Uh, I think, you know what? I'm going to go first. Okay, well, why don't you kick it off then? What do you got for us? So, I, my, my first pick would have to be The Big Lebowski from 1998. Yeah. Okay, that was de- definitely here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I'll go first for the draft for us. And I'm going to take one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm going to go with Memento. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Very I, good. I movie. can see your see your doubt already. Like, ooh, <laughs> should I pick Lebowski first? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dean. All go right. for it. What do you got for a second pick? Second pick. I'm gonna go Life of Brian. Life of Brian. Good choice. Nice. All right, Mitch. You got two picks here. What are you gonna go for? Okay. Um, I think I wanted to go. I want to go with uh, Date Night from 2010. Okay. <laughs> Interesting Wasn't choice. Wasn't on my list. <laughs> and North by Northwest from 1959. Yeah, okay. That was my next one. Okay. Back to me. What have we got? got a serious movie. We've got a comedy. Mm, I feel like I feel like mistaken identity movies are better when they're comedic. And yeah, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose Big. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Fan? Not a fan? No, no, no. I, I love Big. Like... Mistaken identity as a choice though. As a choice, it. I get it. I just didn't think about it first. At first. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Dean. What's uh, what's it going to be? Our fourth pick here. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's go. Uh, let's go. Shrek two. Okay. okay. 
So I guess we're talking about when Ichi. he drinks the potion and turns into the like the handsome prince. Yeah, the the human prince. Yeah, yeah sure the part how, where he yeah. gets mistaken for the identity of a handsome prince. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, Mitch, you got two picks to round out your team. What are you going to go for? Okay, um, I'm going to go with, for number four, uh, Robert Rodriguez's movie El Mariachi from 1992. You doped. Not bad. And then just because I love this movie, and <laughs> I'm sure not many people have heard about it, 1991's If Looks Could Kill. <laughs> if Looks Could Kill? Yeah. With starring I, I one, don't think one Richard Grieco. <laughs> wow. I, I have not seen this film. And uh, I think looking at the poster kind of looks familiar, but no, I'm not really too familiar with this film. I mean, it's, it's, a, take, it's a take on the old, uh, you know, James Bond kind of movie, but this is a kid that... Uh, he answers a, a page at an airport because it's his same name as him, but the, yeah. it's the spy's code name. So now he's thought to be the spy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a ball of fun. <laughs> also, I want to say I love the the snake order uh, of draft here. That's uh, pretty awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we try and make it fair. We can't we can't have uh, you know the person who's picking the first one get to choose the third one as well. It's like it would never the person would never choose to go second there. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> All right, Dean. Last pick for us. What, what are your thoughts here? We can we can discuss this freely. Uh, we another comedy. Uh, we could, we could. I think my cousin Vinny would be a good choice. Yeah, I have no grounds to go on that because I I have not seen that film, so I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's so funny. <laughs> I laughed so hard the first time I watched that film. Hysterical. What about the second? Uh, I mean, not as much. <laughs> <laughs> What about what about Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Also a great movie. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh, it's no it's no secret of my success though. You can, I'm gonna mute you. you can just stop <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> I mean, could you go wrong with the Michael J. Fox? I mean, yeah. uh, any chance Dean can get to, to talk about secret of my success? Surprised <laughs> you didn't try and throw out a, a Mr. Destiny or something. You could just try and work it into hey, it, it works in some sort of mistaken identity kind of way. <laughs> You, I mean, you could argue Dream a Little Dream as well. <laughs> oh. Somewhere in time, is that a mistaken identity? <laughs> now, there is, there is a movie that, I, that works for mistaken identity that I haven't seen, but it seems to be very popular, I guess, in the, in the circles we run in, the, the Galaxy Quest. What do you think? I mean, I don't know if there's any mistaken identity in there, Hendo. What's the mistaken identity? They, they are TV actors playing like they I believe it's their they film like a Star Trek style show but then the people like I think aliens maybe show up and actually think that they're real life like superhero style Star Trek people that's a really rough idea of what I think it is about <laughs> I mean it's pretty close yeah. what do you think Dean like, I think got, I think at this we've point, a lot at, of this comedies. point at this point we've lost the whole thing right let's not put a movie <laughs> on let's not put a movie on that we haven't seen all right Okay, let's, let's wipe that let's one Let's be truer to ourselves. I haven't seen The Secret of My Success, so we can't put that on. So let's put, you. lock in, My Cousin Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what, do, you want to, do you want to have a discussion about dr- dramatic films? What about identity? Nah, that's going to make sense. That's a stupid pick. Nah, let, we've both seen Tucker <laughs> and Dale. Let's, let's put that on. It definitely fits okay. the brief, and it's funny and well-liked. 
Okay, I'm okay with that. All right. We might get a little bit of uh, satisfaction if we win the draft. We'll get a bit of redemption back for winning the draft. Nope, still fucked. <laughs> no, <Nah>, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look back at these teams here. Mitch, you have the Big Lebowski, Date Night, North by Northwest, and El Mariachi, and If Looks Could Kill. And we have Memento, Life of Brian, Big, Shrek 2, and Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I mean, just, just by looking at these from me personally, I, I think we're going to get some redemption from this draft, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think the, the Big Lebowski draw is pretty th- pretty big there. <laughs> Hopefully it's not enough. <laughs> no, but of course, this is a blind movie draft, so the poll will be done by the time this episode gets released. So we'll find out who wins the draft, at least, because we all know already that Mitch has taken down Pod V Pod 37 already. So... Once again, well done uh, for doing that, mate. I'm trying to say, say that through seething teeth here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> no, well done. You did good. No, thank you. you. Good. Thank you. No, thank you for having me on the show. This was a, a great time and uh, a great honor. Like you, you, you do, you do an amazing show. So uh, I had pleasure just being here. Oh, thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Not a, not a problem. So before we go, uh, why don't you tell all the listeners where they can find you and all the awesome content you guys do over there? So, uh, yeah, if you want to find us on any social media, it is Geek Elite Media. Uh, just look us up uh, that way. You can also go to our website, geekelitemedia.com. Um, we have a different podcast just about every night of the week. We have shows that go off of uh, popular TV shows at the moment. Right now, we are doing a recap review of The Great on Hulu uh, every week. Um, if you haven't watched that yet, it is really well written and really well written and uh, acted. So give it a try. Um, we do a movie. We, you, you mentioned earlier the Journey into Mystery is the MCU podcast, which is every Thursday. Uh, we have comic book show on Wednesdays. We have uh, uh, I, I do personally do an interview show on Fridays. So uh, come check us out geekleetmedia.com. If you want to talk to me personally on Twitter, I am Mitchipedia G E M. The G E M stands for Geekleet Media. Oh, so I thought we do a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of episodes. You we can are lazy. Us. <laughs> yes. We are very very lazy. <laughs> uh, once again, thank you very much, Mitch, for coming on and having a battle with us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank Thanks, you, mate. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there. And there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Tee Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey, and I am at Dean's 250 Journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Movie Journey, our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I am at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new 
Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. And like we've said, if you screenshot your review and DM us, we'll send you out some new sweet, sweet merch. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there, early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we are right into the finale of our Harry Potter series with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. We're here. We are at the end. How are you feeling? You you're sad? <laughs> it's coming to a close? Nah, super excited to get into this one. I'm looking forward to rewatching it and seeing if uh seeing if it really is one of the greats of the franchise. Yeah, can't wait to get into that Harry Potter Voldemort battle finally. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash the movie journey and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. Alright, it's time for Answer my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you is, what is your favourite film phone call? Alright, let's start off over on Twitter here. First one from the Word Salad Radio. Ewan McGregor in The Impossible. Hmm, good pick. Um, is that Would that be at the end? I don't remember the film enough to know what phone call he's talking about. I think it's at the end when he's looking for... Shit, I don't know. One of them. Uh, next up from LJ Human. Uh, Memento. Nerd Lantern says, scary movie. Waza! Waza! <laughs> uh, in that same vein, from Ryan L. Terry, easy, scream. Ah, uh, very iconic film phone call there. Ali Axoy says, die hard with a vengeance. Ah, uh, everything erasing podcast says, phone booth, great film. What about Lesba Palooza? Says, punch drunk love. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Adam Sandler there. Yeah, all the, all the screaming shut-ups. Yeah. Uh, something different here from Dylan knows the Mothman prophecies where Richard Gere is talking to Indrid Cole and he asks what he has in his hand and Cole says, Tic Tacs, the voice of Cole was eerie as heck. All right. Have you seen the Mothman prophecies? Saw it at cinemas. (laughs) Oh, look at you. I often do, Hendo. (laughs) Richard Corey says end of lucky number 11 because Stanley Tucci and Robert Forster. Okay. I have seen that movie. I don't remember anything about it though. I have not. Uh, it was released under a different name in Australia, I believe. Do you know what that is? No. Oh, well, good trivia there, Dean. Oh, I'm not looking it up. From Ian Willis, Laurel and Hardy, the fixer-uppers. Holmes Movies says Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Podcast HQ says Napoleon Dynamite. And our last one over on Twitter from Clint McCormick, Taken. All right, let's take a look over on our Facebook listener community, Dean. Who have we got first? All right, Talon Crichton says phone booth. Gerald from Two Peas in a Podcast, of course, goes with the opening of Scream. Clint Chaffee says Ferris Bueller's day off. Call me sir, goddammit. What else we got here? Amy Smith says Black Klansman. God bless white America. Julio at the Contrarian says Swingers. You haven't seen Swingers in a really long time, but I do remember that incredibly awkward phone message he makes. I'm not sure I've ever seen Swingers, but I've definitely seen that 
that phone message yeah. he leaves. Uh, last one over here on Facebook from Topher at the We Watched a Thing podcast. Heat. All right, let's go over to our awesome, awesome patrons. Jacob Bennett says, hands down, Leonard's phone call in the flashbacks of Memento. It's among the best pieces of character development ever in a movie as they characterize someone with no developing memory. Next up from Chris Beardsall, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder as Les Grossman refusing to negotiate with Stiller's captors. Still kills me every time I see it. Jacob Phillips says, Tom Hanks' conversation with Dr. Marsha in Sleepless in Seattle gets me every time. Talk to her dad. She's a doctor. Of what? Her first name could be Doctor. Do you remember that? No, because I haven't seen it. It's great. You really should watch it. Her first name could be Doctor. It's really funny. Uh, And lastly here on Patreon from Jay, it's a toss-up between the Scream opening phone call, it sets the tone, or the Taken phone, which sets up the character of Liam Neeson. Fair enough. All right. Thank you very much, everyone, for putting in a response. But Dean, let's get to our top five film phone calls. And as usual, we'll kick it off with you. What is your number five? I'm going with The Matrix. Which one? The one where he's in his apartment building and Morpheus calls him and he gets that cool like phone that just like flicks out and it's, hello, Dio, do you know who this is? Morpheus. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, it's really good. And like Morpheus knows everything and is telling him, you know, when he can walk around places and it, it sets up the mystery really well. I really like it. Fair enough. All right, my number five. I will find you. And I will kill you. The iconic Taken scene, for sure. All right. My number four from The Dark Knight, Rachel and Harvey Dent on the phone to each other, both having someone rushing over to save their lives. Then Rachel realises, spoilers, she's going to die. It's great. It's actually quite incredible that that is also my number four. (laughs) Is it really? Yeah. I thought I I did pretty well getting that. No, like I've... I'm stunned that... Why are you coming for me? <laughs> Rachel! No, Rachel! No! Rachel! Rachel! <laughs> Rachel! <laughs> and, then, and then she blows up mid-sentence. It's great. Yeah, Love it. That's fantastic. I can't believe that's your number four. Uh, my number three. Zero chance this will be on your list. Uh, it is when Harry met Sally. They're laying in bed together. You got the split screen down the middle. And there's so much memorable stuff here for me. They're watching Casablanca together. They talk about, uh, ooh, Ingrid Bergman, and she's low maintenance. It's like, what's what's low maintenance? <laughs> you know, that stuff's good. Uh, best last line of the movie ever. And then I, lo- I love Billy Crystal here, where he's just like, uh, I think I'll just stay up and moan. I'll practice now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> All right. My number three is... Vince calling Lance in Pulp Fiction. Nice. Good call. Are you calling me on a cellular phone? I don't know who you are. Prank caller. Prank caller. <laughs> uh, my number two is in The Departed. we got Leo and Damon. They're on the phone. Complete silence. But they know who the other person is. They know that they're they're connected with the other rat. It's great. This is this is quite sickening because that is also my number Are two. You serious? <laughs> yes, it is. Holy shit! I thought there's not. Is there a chance he might remember that one? Oh, oh wow! God, are we gonna have the same number one? I, I feel like we are going to. All right, my number one. Remember Sammy Jenkins? Oh, of course. That's of course Memento. It is. Absolutely. That is fantastic. That old black and white sequence. Learning about Sammy Jenkins. Love it. Absolutely love it. I can't believe we had three crossovers on that list. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. You're not even here. 
That's I can't crazy. even tell you to get out. All right, for next week's question of the week, considering we're doing Fargo, a film set, like, is it, I'm pretty sure it's 100% set in snow. So we're going to ask you, what is your favorite film set in the snow? And that'll be our top five for our Facebook listener community and our patrons to try and win some sweet, sweet merch from us. I love snow movies. This will be good. Does Cool Runnings count? Sure. Why not? I mean, there's ice. You can't have ice without snow, can you? I mean, if you're going to say there's ice in the film, do we include Mighty Ducks? Yeah, but yeah, it's not like Mighty Ducks is making anyone's list. Mm. <laughs> there's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, mate, it's time to find out the results of the round two of our Tournament of Champions. Let's take a look at the results here. First match, Pulp Fiction beats A New Hope, 55% to 45%. I got this one wrong. Did you pick Pulp Fiction? No, I didn't. Oh, I thought for sure you would have. I actually got two out of these four matches wrong. I I had a shocker. Uh, What else we got here? The Empire Strikes Back up against Inception. And Inception loses 38%. So Empire takes it with 62, which I did predict. Uh, I also predicted that one. Next match here, 12 Angry Men beats Casablanca, 54% to 46. I missed this one as well. Oh, unlucky. I did pick 12 Angry Men. Oh, well done. And lastly, we had the Dark Knight defeating Psycho, 60%. Okay, so after two rounds, that puts me on seven to your six. Now, looking at the uh, tipping competition so far with our 17 tippers here, we actually only have three people that have got all eight correct so far. Pretty good. And they are three of the best, three of our awesome patrons. We've got David Powell, Chris Beardsall, and Brother Shane, all with eight out of eight so far. Wow. Very impressive. All right. This week, we will not have round three's polls because it is our Pod v. Pod movie draft. The good. The bad. All right. Before we get into what else we've been watching, just quick heads up that we won't be ruining the films that we're going to mention. So if you haven't seen them, don't fear we won't spoil them for you. All right, Dean, how many films have you seen over the last fortnight? Well, I'm a bit embarrassed. I've only seen five. What about you, Hendo? What have you seen? 15? Nah, I'm only going to be talking about two this time. <laughs> two. This Come is what it's like to be Dean. What, what is that? Two. I've I've done a lot of rewatches this last fortnight. Actually, I've rewatched the original uh, the the American Pie trilogy recently. How did how did that uh, go for you? I mean, the first one's still a classic. the The second and third one are ah oh, they're okay. Nostalgia kind of pushed them up a little bit for me, but yeah, that's about it. You know what I watched? You look like you watched a lot of Hitchcock. Snowpiercer. Oh, the the TV version. Yeah. Uh, I mean, is it worth it? No. What's the point? No, it's What's not. the point? I saw a trailer for it. And I'm like, it's isn't that just looks exactly like the movie? I mean, it's if you're very desperate, as I often am, then you may want to watch it. Um, you know what else I watched? <laughs> the entirety of Space Force. Oh man, you you must be desperate. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's not very good. Uh, not gonna lie. Uh, what else have I watched? Oh, last night I watched. Maybe four hours of uh, Spider-Man cartoons from the 90s. Awesome. By myself, I might add. This was not a a uh, (laughs) kid-led watch. (laughs) All right, but since you've watched more films than me for a change, we're going to start off with you. Why don't you kick us off with your number five film for the week, for the fortnight? All right, my number five film is Alfred Hitchcock's 1943 film Shadow of a Doubt. Okay, one of the Hitchcock films I haven't seen. Why don't you tell me what that's about? So, it's about a young woman 
who discovers her visiting uncle may not be the man he seems to be. Ooh. You could say there's some doubt in her mind. You could say it's a mystery. It is a mystery. Look, all, all I want to know is do they say shadow of a doubt in the movie? I don't even remember. I'm not going to lie. I am um, beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is true. <laughs> like, this movie was fine. I, I've, I would say it's good for 1943, but, I mean, it felt very slow in parts. And I know it's old and you've got to accept that you're watching a movie that is that old, but I couldn't get past some of the pacing issues I had with it. Uh, is there anyone famous in it that we know? Not that you would know. It stars Teresa Wright, Joseph Cotton, McDonald Carey, and Henry Travers. Wow, they sound like 1940s names. I mean, Henry Travers, you'd know. He plays Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Do you know Clarence in It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, isn't he his angel? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Shut your mouth. Well, I was just making sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't... There was, there was a bit here plot-wise that I didn't really buy into. Uh, the relationships weren't very believable. It felt very rear window in some areas, but again, there were some positives, none that come to mind at the moment, but it gets a two and a half for me. <laughs> wow, that did not sound like a two and a half star film. I mean, I don't recommend it, but you watch it and you're like, yeah, that's a, that's a Hitchcock mystery, black and white, slightly boring film, but it's worth watching because it's Hitchcock. All right, I think I might get to it eventually when I'm on a, a Hitchcock binge. There's better ones out there. Oh, I don't doubt it. I'm pretty sure you're going to be saying a couple coming up. Such as my number four film, The Birds. Ooh, a film I have seen. Oh, you have seen The Birds? I have seen The Birds. I think I watched that when I was over in Scotland. Is there lots of birds in Scotland? Depends what birds you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, The Birds, for anyone that doesn't know, is another Hitchcock film. This one came out in 1963. And it's about a young lady who inexplicably follows a stranger to a faraway town, basically just to flirt with him for a bit. And then they get attacked by birds. Is that a fair synopsis, Endo? I mean, all you really need to know is that there's birds and they try to attack people. That's why it's called The Birds. But I feel like the movie is more than just the birds attack people. Don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I've just looked up my ob review here. I gave it three stars when I watched it. Yeah, I also give this three stars. And for me, the best stuff is all the stuff that isn't the birds. Yeah, from what I'm reading here, the effects weren't too good. Oh, uh, the effects are fine. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, penalising the film from the early 60s on effects. But I, I really like Rod, Ta- Rod Taylor. Do you know him? Nope. He's the lead in H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. Okay, yep, I've... Seen that, and I kind of remember what he looks like, but yeah, yeah I know, I know who you're talking about. Now. I like him in it. Uh, Tippy Hedron is also great, very, very compelling. I, I actually did some reading up on her because I thought she was really good. She signed a three picture deal with Hitchcock, and you know, smashed out three movies pretty quickly. But Hitchcock basically wanted to pursue her romantically. She declined for obvious reasons, and. <laughs> <laughs> because he looks like Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I don't think she recovered too well career-wise from that, which is a bit sad. Um, but she was, yeah, she was great. I actually really liked watching her as 
unusual and strange it was that someone of her stature would go to such great lengths to pursue this guy. I I enjoyed watching that stuff, seeing her flirt, make up lies about why she's actually in town and who she's staying with. All that stuff was really good. When the birds start coming, the movie does drop off for me somewhat. Uh, And the... Oh, gee, I wasn't... Again, no spoilers, but I didn't like the ending either. I thought... Oh, my God, me... I didn't either. I thought... I actually think bad endings is kind of a theme of Hitchcock movies that I'm seeing over a few of these films. Very violent, though. Very violent. Yeah, for a Hitchcock film, certainly... uh ramps up the violence on that. I agree with you from from what I wrote here. Uh, I think the ending really deteriorated from the rest of the film and apparently I was looking at giving it a four stars and dropped it to three based off the ending alone. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. All right, we've got a review here from Ryan L. Terry. The birds literally sowed the bird seed for the when nature attacks subgenre, but the heart is an exploration of relationships and paranoia. With no clear answer in the end as to why, it also leaves these events lingering as a possible reality. Very positive from Ryan there. Oh, very good, Ryan. All right, mate, what's your number three? My number three, again, is an Alfred Hitchcock film from 1956. It is The Man Who Knew Too Much. And what did he know too much about, Dean? Well, I can't tell you. That would be ruining the film, Hendo. Oh, would it? So, this is about... It stars Jimmy Stewart and Doris Day. Well, I like Jimmy Stewart. Do you like Doris Day? I don't think I've seen her in anything. You haven't... You didn't catch Pillow Talk? <laughs> what the hell is Pillow Talk? <laughs> it's a number one known for movie, according to IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doris Day. She died a year ago at the age of 97. Not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> Clearly you could not care less. I mean, I'm waiting to hear about this movie. <laughs> I mean, all, all this all this uh, sidestepping and talking, ironically, it sounds like you know nothing at all about this film compared to The Man Who Knew Too Much. No, no, no. It's, it's, about, it's, it's about a family who are, I think they're in Morocco, maybe Casablanca, and Jimmy Stewart, they see someone get killed. And as this guy is dying, he whispers something to Jimmy Stewart. Is it Rosebud? Rosebud. Uh, no, it's not. I feel like it would be an even more boring film if it was Rosebud. Oh, stop it. That's not a jab at Citizen Kane. It's just how Ooh. much can you work with Rosebud if you're a stranger? Like, Because the whole thing is the cops come and it's like, what did he say? And he's like, oh, uh, nothing. He but said if Rosebud. He said, but if he said Rosebud, it'd be like, he said Rosebud. Ah, never mind. Carry on. Back to the holiday. Uh, But no, he whispers something that, you know, key piece of information that our hero, Jimmy Stewart, feels like he needs to to take some action on, which is basically the plot of the film. And I really like the start. It's very mysterious. I was very intrigued by it. I I like the different setting that was Africa. That was nice. I thought Doris Day, who, as you say, I hadn't seen her in anything either. I thought she was really good. Very, very emotional performance from her playing this mother. I don't know why. Like, where do I know Doris Day from? Is she in one of the talk? Is she in one of the Grease songs? Like, hey, I'm Doris Day. I was not brought up that way. I mean, if that's not from Grease and you just made that up, then (laughs) then bravo. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, that's literally the only thing I know Doris Day from. So, but no, she was really, really good in this. James Stewart, I mean, is he ever bad? No, he's not. Yeah, he's he's always great what to watch. And he gets really well, angry. Doris, you see, that we, I, I think I know too much, you see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he doesn't say you see in this, but he, he was really good. Again, the ending, though, is tiresome and ran a bit too long. But very good film, worth watching. I recommend it. Three and a half stars. 
Fantastic. All right. We'll bring it over to me for my number two. And you know me. You you tell me a movie shit, and I'm just going to watch it anyway. I'm actually going to watch it the same night you told me it was shit. Well, I'm just curious. So you've had you've had a couple of weeks here. You're obviously of being very very particular with what you're watching. I'm um, mm-hmm. only having seen two films in a fortnight, so I'm curious what what made the cut, Hendo. You you <laughs> you're, you're giving me you're, you're slandering me here. You make it seem like I've only watched two films in the last week. I've watched two new films in the last two weeks. And yes, I'm very peculiar and very particular in what I lo- what I want to watch. So of course I'm going to go watch the wrong Missy. Why? Why would you? Why the hell not? It's it's a classic Netflix. A classic. It's there. Oh, you've heard it here. It is a classic. It's that classic Netflix. Like the thing that does you you open up Netflix and you see the picture like wow. Why the hell not? I'll put it on. And you know what? It's not as bad as you said it was, but it's still bad. It's definitely bad. Is it? Uh, like it kind of sounds like you liked it, Hendo. No, I didn't. I didn't really like it that much. It's kind of terrible. I didn't like it uh, that much. So you did like yeah, it. Yeah, I liked it a little bit. Whoa! I actually laughed. Yeah, I laughed more times than you did. But the whole thing is just extremely dumb, and it gets grating after a while. The lead actress Lauren Lapkus, I didn't find her annoying like you did. It's just I found the jokes were just so they they're they're so lowbrow and terrible. Part of the reason why I laugh so much is because I was watching it with my sister-in-law as well, and she was bursting out laughing at every dumb joke, and that caused me to strike up some laughter. So that definitely helped with the experience. But overall, it's it's still a pretty weak movie, and I give that one two stars. That is very generous, Hendo. All right, we have a review here for The Wrong Missy from The Tasteless Podcast. The Wrong Missy wasn't my favorite, but I love Lauren Lapkus and hope it leads to more opportunities for her to shine. All right, mate, over to your number two. All right, it's it's a tough act to follow the old the wrong Missy, but uh, let's go back to Alfred Hitchcock's 1946 film Notorious. Notorious. Now this one stars Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. Have you heard of them? I've heard of both of them. How many films have you seen Ingrid Bergman in? You reckon one? Maybe probably two. Maybe. What's the second one? Well, I've got to give the first one first. I mean, surely it's Casablanca. Yeah, that'd be the first one. Yeah, probably would be. <laughs> anyway, Notorious. Uh, this is about a woman who used to have something going on with Nazi people, is tasked by the some sort of spy American agents to go undercover, infiltrate them, and get information. Oh, no, from Cinema Paradiso, when they show the scene from Casablanca in it. <laughs> Oh, I also know her from uh, When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I also know her from uh, The Making of Casablanca. <laughs> so this is a really good movie. Uh, it's more, it's much more of a romance story than I was expecting, but the undercurrents of the spy element, all the undercover work, it's really, really good. Uh, there's some definitely outdated uh, things that are being said here. The whole plot of the movie... It's it's kind of it's kind of amusing to be honest because Cary Grant is the agent assigning Ingrid Bergman to go undercover and he's basically telling her get close to this guy you know what I mean and then slut shames her for getting close to this guy. It's quite amusing, I must say. But no, Hitchcock uses amazing camera effects, uh, fantastic direction here. It really feels like he's trying new techniques as well. Like you know how you watch Vertigo and there's that pull out while zooming technique. How can I forget that? 
I feel like there's, I mean, it's not quite that, but you can see other camera movements that are being done by Hitchcock here, uh, which is really good. Like, you got the cameras, like, just going in circles at times when the characters mm-hmm. are hung over or drunk. Mm. Lots of drunk driving in this film. But no, nah, there's a lot of interesting, uh, you know, use of film. Silhouettes are used really well. Very tense film, never boring, which is great. Three and a half stars. Uh, Ingrid Bergman's known for list on IMDb. Of course, it's uh, Casablanca and Notorious as the first two. Is it? Yes. There's also Spellbound. Is the last one Gaslight? Maybe you should stop cheating. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. My number one is a much, much, much better film than The Wrong Missy. It is Bad Education. In Long Island, the town is only as good as its public schools. The better the school system, the higher the price tag on the homes. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. I wanted to make a difference. I got us all the way to number four. And I will get us to number one. Get us to first. That's all that matters. Hey, Frank. Yeah? I've been doing some digging. I'm concerned with what I found. Have you heard of Bad Education, Dean? I've heard of it. Is that the Hugh Jackman thing? Yes, the Hugh Jackman thing. Also starring Alison Janney as well. It's the true story of a of a superintendent and his his two IC superintendent who, who uh, basically swilled an entire school district out of like something like ten to thirteen million dollars using phony books and all that to basically live the lavish lifestyle that they wanted while still working as the superintendents. And it's really really good. Hugh Jackman and Alison Janney put in really good performances. Hugh Jackman. Man, he this is one of his best performances I've seen. I don't think it's as good as Prisoners, but it's it's really really good. The story itself is intriguing as well and the way it's told and set up and certain I guess you could say twists along the way really work well and pay off. I didn't know where this went. I knew it was a true story, but I didn't know how it all culminated in the end and how it did was great and I'm very surprised by how much I really, really enjoyed this film. And it's four stars. Wow. Uh, Is that a generally held consensus? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I should watch it. Maybe you should. All right. You're number one. Are we looking at Hitchcock again? Uh, No, we are not. Ooh. Unlucky Hitchcock. We are looking at a slightly more modern film, 2015's Brooklyn. Now, why did you watch this? Because I remember... When we were going through 2015's Best Picture nominations, and you basically said, Nope, I am not watching this film. Did I? Yep. You're like, Nah, I'm not going to watch this one. I don't care for this one. Why did it take you five years to watch this film? Uh, I did I did tell you I spent four hours watching Spider Man cartoons, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, but I can see you doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the why. So I was bored. I was going through Netflix. Ah, of course, going through Netflix. The missus was sitting in the lounge room with me. I saw Brooklyn and was like, eh. And then I saw who it starred. Ah, of course. My gal, Shersha Ronan, is in this. And I knew- You can't it- have more than one gal. It's either Emma Stone or Shersha Ronan. Take your pick. Ooh. Ooh, there's some consideration here. I mean, if we're talking- yeah, that's that's tough. If we're talking acting ability, I, I reckon I'd give the edge to Shersha at the moment. I mean, I, I love Emma Stone, but maybe for different reasons. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooklyn. Yeah, man, this movie is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> phenomenal. Have you seen this? Yeah, of course I've seen it. 
And you were middling on it, no doubt. Uh, three and a half, I gave it. Pathetic. Uh, all right. So Brooklyn is about this Irish immigrant, Shersha Ronan. Uh, she's in the 1950s. She goes to Brooklyn. And it's basically a romance film. But yeah, I absolutely loved it. Such amazing real performances and characters. It really, not just because of the Shersha Ronan connection, but it really did remind me of Little Women in that the absolute standout of this is these characters. The characters are amazing. Like, they feel so real and fleshed out. Yeah, Shersha, she's incredible. The story of this this girl's growth as a person is so dramatic. It's such a massive change from where she starts to where she ends, but it's all believable and it's not fantastical. Nothing happens huge that is, you know, unbelievable. This is how you can realistically see a young woman growing up into a woman. And it's great. I loved it. The score's amazing. Cinematography's gorgeous. And like the dilemma, there's all these, like there's a really big dilemma in this story that I legitimately, not only did I not know where the film was going to go, but I also didn't know where I wanted the film to go. It was, it was, it was fascinating. You're not, there's no villain it's just this really true story to life, and I loved it. Four and a half stars. Forget about it. Nice. So the com- you said the the score was great for this. That that was done by Michael Brook, who did a couple of your favourites here. He did The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Nice, nice. Yeah. And uh, what do you also do? Into the Wild. Love Into the Wild. Yeah. Well, there you go. Nice. I'm glad you got a little four and a half star film out of all that. Oh, me too. It made honestly, it was such a nice surprise because I went in not expecting. Hey, like I know Shirsh is in it, but. You know, as you say, it's been five years. I've had no reason not to watch it, and I haven't watched it. So mm. I think you know what you know what film I, I was always confusing Brooklyn with. Mm, I, I didn't nah, actually expect you to think uh, Carol. I always got them confused. So maybe I should oh, watch. Okay, maybe I should watch Carol. I feel like you've you've uh, been pretty negative on Carol, though. No, no, I like Carol. Carol's a good movie. You should definitely watch that. Yeah, I'll try and get to it. Is sure sure in it? She's not. Nah, maybe I won't worry about it. Oh, actually, there was another movie I wanted to watch only because Shersha was in it. Atonement. Have you seen Atonement? I have not. Yeah, I'm going to watch that this fortnight, I reckon. I need some more Shersha in my life. Well, you watch The Lovely Bones then. Is she in that? I believe so. Oh, I'll watch that too then. Why don't you follow that up with um, Mary Queen of Scots as well? Does that have Margot Robbie in it? That's true. Nah, I'm right. All right then, bit of a stab at Margot Robbie there. But that's going to do it for Pod V Pod 37. Thank you very much to Mitch from Geek Elite Media for taking us on this week. Yeah, thanks so much. Really, really had a blast today. And of course, next week is our breakdown of Fargo. So thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the episode once again. And we'll see you next week for Fargo. Bye.